0: Welcome to The Word This Week, where we believe that the Bible is more than just words on a page. They are the words we live by. And it's pretty cool, too. We invite you to join us as we read through the Bible together this year. Welcome back to The Word This Week. I'm your host, Brian Vaughn, and this is episode 24. Joining us on this episode are Buddy Pearson and Josiah Fox. And as we were talking about the Bible, one of the things that was said was, you know, God's going to do what he's going to do and he's going to accomplish his purposes. And we get to choose whether or not we're going to be a part of it or not. And that's one of the things we see from so many of these kings in Israel and in Judah. For the most part, they didn't walk with the Lord, but there were some that did. So join us as we talk about the word this week. Hey, buddy Josiah, thanks for joining us this morning. It's great to have you guys back. Yeah, it's great to be here. Uh, You guys doing okay? Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Fantastic. (laughs) Uh, So, here's something that was on my mind this morning as as, uh, I was coming in. Uh, I was thinking about the two of you being here, and, buddy, specifically, um, in a former life, you worked with a newspaper and Mm -hmm. uh, were journalists, or not that you're not now, but, and I'm sure wrote uh, many news reports and yeah. those kinds of things. And I was thinking about us reading the Bible and when you read the Bible, and specifically, we're a lot uh, right now we're we're talking through kings and chronicles and some of the prophets and and those kinds of things. When you read the Bible, to you, does it read like a news report or a news story that perhaps you would have written? back when you were writing for a newspaper?
1: You know, I, I look at some of the things like that, because it's, you know, I was at a newspaper for 16 years and you're just, you know, you're kind of wired that way. Yeah. And But uh, I also have learned to look for the little nuances, you know, the little, just other things uh, that stand out, not just the, the main uh, topic or the main story, you know what yeah. I mean? And I, I think we're also been trained to kind of look at different angles of things. And how to how to show things in a different angle mm-hmm. and so when I read the Bible now that's kind of how I look at it is mm-hmm. it's not just uh, straightforward like uh, like you'd read a newspaper article right, exactly. but I lo- also look you know read a little bit more into it yeah. and look at it that way and like oh well this would make a good story just like some of the things that I pulled out today is not you know just your normal things mm-hmm. that, that you would think about or, or you know that would make a big impact on you when you're when you're reading yeah. through the uh, these particular books of the Bible. But uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of neat. I, I I've I really enjoy reading through it this time. And I really love the way that we read through this current, you know, read through the Bible in a year. And it's like, there's so many different things that are popping out now mm-hmm. in the way it's presented than it did before. When It's just like when you sit down and read a newspaper and you read it cover to cover, you're like, okay, I did that. It's done. Uh there might have been a couple of things that stood out, but this way, I mean, it, it really is kind of jumping off the page a little more.
0: Yeah, yeah. And as I was thinking about that, yeah, you know, I think sometimes we approach the Bible like it's just a straight yeah retelling of events. Yeah, like video camera footage, right? Yeah. <laughs> and as I've, uh, I think as I've matured in the way that I, I I read the Bible, it's less of approaching it as okay, this is just a straight retelling of events. But it's more of like looking at it. why did these biblical authors, you know, why these things that were collected as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit, but you have these human authors uh, writing them down and God's using this and it's been brought together for us in the form that it's in today for a reason. Mm. And so why was this included? Yeah. Why was it this? So why is this one little detail there? Right. And, you know, it's really I think I'll say enriched, Mm -hmm. uh, but also I think, I kind of think it's a better way to read. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: It's like uh, I was talking to a a teenager last night about the Bible and in English class, when you're going to read Beowulf, you get a whole, maybe even several lectures about the setting. What's it in conversation with common phrases and, and what um, the author's intent, what mm-hmm. what they would have had in mind as they use certain words, so you can better take a grasp of what the author's trying to communicate. And then when you switch to like Shakespeare and you know you're reading Hamlet or Caesar, you're you get a whole different set of lectures for a different time period and no. different words and like they still I, read Beowulf. I don't say still because I don't. It's been a while <laughs> since I've been in high school, <laughs> even for me. Yeah, uh, I think they do. Yeah. I yeah, think okay. I think it's still pretty common. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then once you switch from that to, to kill a mockingbird and you're in modern, more modern lit, you have a whole different set of lectures and like what's happening in the context. And for some reason, when we approach the library of scripture, we don't bring that same thought process to the table Mm -hmm. of like, this is still a piece of literature from a time period written by people in conversation with the culture. We want it. I think more often than not, we hope that it would be video camera furt- footage.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when you say literature, let's be clear. I think sometimes we we equate literature with fiction. Mm. Yeah, and uh, that's not true at all. Right. No. Right. Now, right. Is there some literature that's fiction? Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. so many things. Like you grow up uh, yeah. in, in high school and you read in 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 um, in, in English or what. <laughs> Gosh, I've been out so long. I can't yeah. even think
2: it. Yeah. Uh, the, the reading class. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, whatever you read <laughs> the, things. Yeah. And, uh, talked about it. it and yeah. Wrote yeah. papers.
0: So when we say literature, we're not saying at all that we think the Bible is fiction. We, we think it's true. Yeah. Uh, but these writers were writing in particular styles yeah. and for particular purposes. And so, bringing that as we read the scripture, yeah, I think even like a
2: too. yeah, like a more concrete version would even be looking at like a biography. Yeah, you can have hundreds of different people write a biography about the same person's life, and they'll all have a different perspective and a right. different point and different things they're drawing on and ways to communicate what was happening in that person's life, and and scriptures no different.
0: Yeah, exactly, and that really plays out. Just think. Following yeah. that thought for just a moment, when you look at the four gospels, yeah, yeah, uh, that are different accounts of Jesus bringing the kingdom of God, uh, yeah. you know, to earth, and right. you have these four different authors that, uh, and a lot of it's crossover, a lot of it crosses over, a lot of it looks exactly the same, mm-hmm. but then there's there's a detail here in Luke that wasn't in Matthew, right. or you know, yeah,
2: and or John seems really out of order yeah, out of the other yeah, three. I John's just read. way different than the yeah. other three,
0: mm-hmm. and so. That's why we see some of those differences. But, but back just to this idea of, of how, we, how we read the Bible, mm-hmm. there are so many details. In fact, like you said, in some of our conversation about what we've actually read this week, there are these things like, why was that even included? Yeah, I think that's a good question to ask. Yeah. Now, we may not know exactly, Right, but I think thinking on Scripture mm-hmm. is really important. Right. Yeah. Uh, being willing, uh, Josiah, when you read, you talk a lot about following that rabbit trail or going down this yeah. this path or whatever. And uh, I think those things are, are good. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as we prayerfully come to those things and saying, God, mm-hmm. you know, I do want to I want to understand your truth or what you're wanting as I as I walk through this, because mm-hmm. there's plenty of ideas out there. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> as people have tried yeah. to explain or interpret. Um, but doing so prayerfully and asking God's spirit to, and in community. Yeah. And in community, that's, that's a great point. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by that?
2: Oh, like, I think sometimes we think, um, in reading scripture, rightfully, there's a lot of emphasis on a personal quiet time, sitting with God one-on-one and reading scripture. Um, but there should be just as equal of an emphasis on doing that in a community Mm -hmm. of people. Um, because it's really easy to get narrow-minded, yeah. And this is one of my favorite things about the podcast: is we sit down with so many different people mm-hmm. with different perspectives, yeah. and we just talk about scripture in a way that's like really understanding. And people are allowed to come to the table with a different viewpoint yeah. on the same passage from someone else. And without that, you you would miss on uh, the beauty of scripture. Paul, Ephesians calls the church the members of the church. He calls them the multifaceted wisdom of God. And so uh, he also calls all of scripture wisdom literature. Yeah. And, and so to understand all those facets of wisdom that scripture has to offer, you should probably do it with a group of people that represent the multifaceted wisdom of God.
0: Hmm. So as we've read uh, this week, what are some things that jumped off the page to you in our reading for this past week?
1: Well, uh, you know, I came up with one word and that was Prophetic because of the prophets and, and the prophecies. And uh, I don't know that that this ever really jumped out at me before, just like Elijah and Elisha. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for a long time, I was like, well, is that the same person? Is it like <laughs> yeah, sure. Simon Peter? You know, is it uh, <laughs> yeah, Elisha right, and Elijah? Yeah. But, uh, you know, they are two different people. And, and to see Elisha come along, Elijah, as a student, and really honor him mm-hmm. and respect him, and, you know, even when... Uh, Elijah was about to be, you know, taken away and these other guys are coming out and they're like, well, you know, your master's leaving today. He's like, I know, I know. Just just be quiet. You know, I, I got it. It's, you know, it's going to be fine. And, uh, you know, he, he was still, he was still respecting Elijah in that time, yeah. you know, he wasn't saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to be the next, you know, check this out. I'm going to be the next guy in line. Just wait. The old man's gone. I'm, I'm here <laughs> taking over. Sure. Uh, but, you know, he did ask for a double uh, blessing. You know, I just I love that uh, seeing those two mm-hmm. and, and the continuation you know, it's like the sequel. I mean, how many how many movies out there we've we seen the sequel of, and the sequel's like really stinks. It's like it's <laughs> almost never, all of them. yeah, never except time, for Maverick. But... Except for Top Gun Maverick, it was good. It was. I haven't good. seen it yet. It's but awesome. Incredibles two. Yeah.
2: Incredibles two. Yeah. Okay. It was probably one of the greatest sequels I've seen. It was.
1: I agree. <laughs> but uh, you know, Elisha being the sequel to Elijah, you know, it's like. Uh, wow, he was great. Just seeing those two come along and and just kind of passing the torch there. I mean, that was to me that was really one of the cool things about our reading this week.
0: Yeah, I, that made me as you were talking, it made me think. And I don't know if it was in this week's or the or the previous week's reading, but um, I can't remember. But the scene where where Elijah takes Elisha as yeah. his student, yeah, and um, and Elijah's in the in the field. Uh, you know, working work in the field, his oxen, the plow, you know, yeah. and he, he sacrifices it and he uses the wood from the, from the piece of machinery that he's using, right? Or the, what was it, the yoke maybe? Mm-hmm. And that was the fire and then sacrificed these oxen. Just, what a picture of, to me, was a picture of, of laying it all down. Yeah. Like I'm laying down even my identity here yeah. to walk into, into what, the lord has for me mm-hmm. i don't know if i got the story exactly right but the, that's just kind of what was jumping into my mind at that moment yeah so what are some of the things uh you mentioned elijah and elisha uh are there some specific things that are that are jumping out to you guys as we
2: as we talk about them there's like some cool literary stuff to be on the same topic like i loved how first king starts with it uses kind of like that goldilocks thing where She comes into the house, you know, and one porridge, she eats A porridge and it's too hot. And she eats the next porridge and it's too cold. And she goes to the third porridge and you expect something else to be wrong with it. But it's just right. And it opens with this like one, two, turn. These speaking moments with Elijah and the king and the the people uh, coming to him. And he burns him up with fire. Then he burns him up with fire. And the third one comes and is repentant. And then he goes and talks. And uh, Elijah and Elisha go from one city to another city from that city to another city. And then you're expecting them to leave and go to another city. And then they go to the Jordan. It's just these fun little turns, but I love how much Elisha does for the people that don't belong to Israel. Mm. And the language that's used around it is all, there's so many mentions of doors and doorways and houses and in the narrative of scripture, these are these safe places. Like it's the yeah. door of the ark that gets shut up to allow Noah and his family to pass through the chaos waters, mm-hmm. to pass through death and come out to life on the other side. It's lots house and his doorway that allows that p- protects his family and the angels from this like terrible crowd of men that come to the door and hear the people that come into Elisha's house he goes into their house and the doorway and rest and the things that are found there is beautiful. It's a place of Eden blessing where like the life God has for humanity is found. Like in one of the houses, uh, Elisha like raises someone from the dead. It's like yeah. as, as the, as the, um, the promised land, this place that was supposed to be so much like Eden and Israel again has done what humans do and they've ruined the land. Mm-hmm. It's what happens in the Noah narrative. Is humanity ruined the land? They're ruining the land, but there's these homes where God's blessing is present, and and every single one of those scenes has not Israelites.
0: What do you think is the purpose there, or the the author's intent, or God's intent, the spirit of God, His intent in in having those themes or those
2: uh, little nods? One, I think with like homes, like what a beautiful picture of what our families are supposed to be like as people come into our homes. And I think the new Testament authors play on some of that a little bit talking about hospitality and man, what, what, what kind of environment does your home create? Being a blessing to those who come into your home. Yeah. Yeah, And being so willing to take in the strangers and foreigners, like the, uh, the Shunammite or whatever, however you pronounce that, that woman, she, she's not an Israelite Mm -hmm. and Elijah is a stranger in her neighborhood and she invites him in. And then realizes he's a man that God and like builds a whole extra room for him. I think it's just a beautiful picture of the way, one, how that's supposed to be and like God's house and how God's house is that place Mm. as well. But as far as like the book of second Kings go, I think there's this other layer where God had an intent for his people, um, but he doesn't have to use them to bring his blessing. Yeah. Um, he's going to do what he does, whether people want to be a part of it or not. Hmm. And it's so beautiful to see how his, his heart for the nations, as he says, no, I have one. I have one man of God, just like Moses was this one man. And at one point in the Moses narrative, God threatens to, I'll destroy everyone. It's Exodus 32 or 33. They build a the golden calf. and He's like, I'll just keep you, Noah, or Noah, Moses. And Moses is like, and he intercedes for the people in that moment. There's, there seems to be a theme in scripture where God just needs one you just have one person that would follow him wholeheartedly he'll he'll reach the nations Mm. and that's just being replayed here combined with this picture of a home and enjoyed thinking about that this week i don't think it's a thought i fully have come to completion but
0: yeah it's something that stuck out to me that you said there that phrase was god's gonna do what he's gonna do Mm. whether you want to be a part of it or not
2: yeah yeah and like how relevant is that even seeing the kings yeah he's going to hold to his promise that he gave to David. Right. But it's up to you whether you want to be a part of it or not. He's going to do his thing and he makes it really clear. I'm doing things that I said I was going to do. You're the one choosing not to be a part. And as we get into the minor prophets, it's all about that. Like there's a whole, a whole book about the covenant relationship between God and his people. And he says, you're the ones who've walked away. Yeah. You're the ones who've prostituted yourself out. Mm -hmm but I'll still redeem you. And that plays into a whole line, which uh, gets played out narratively in Ruth with the kinsman redeemer as this picture of like, no, God's going to be faithful to a people that have no way without him. Yeah. Um, Even when they're unfaithful and just, it just continues to play a beautiful picture.
0: You know, it's, it's interesting or it's sad that as we're reading through first and second Kings, Mm -hmm. first second Chronicles and it's, it's these lists of kings, you know, yes. and, it's, oh, yeah. and it's their exploits. And right. the norm should be, hey, they walked with the Lord and they did what was right in His eyes. Yeah, but it's not. The norm is they did evil in the sight of the Lord. Right, and they had chosen not to be a part of what He was doing. Yeah, right. And uh, and so when we see some of those bright spots. Uh, it's like oh, I want to hold on to that, you know. Yeah, like yeah. in yeah. this week's readings, one of those was Jehoshaphat. Yeah, you Jehoshaphat, know, in the southern right. kingdom in Judah. He, for the most part, sought the Lord. And yeah, I think there was one thing where it said he even went. Didn't he travel around and said, "Hey, you guys need to turn to the Lord." Yeah, and that was that was
1: beautiful. Well, one of the things that really with Jehoshaphat was you know Second Chronicles twenty twelve where you know the armies are coming around and and really he just uh, yeah. you know it looks like. You know, it's one of those horror movies where, you know, the monster or the villain has is, is got you cornered and there's no way out. And it's like it's a hopeless situation. And he just he says, for we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And even in that hopeless situation, he professes his complete dependence on God, not on himself or his army to do those things, but completely on deliverance from God. And, and that's what he got. And, you know, how many times today as a leader do we see uh, them taking credit for like everything that's good or that they Mm -hmm. think, you know, that because they're in a position of power that they're the one who's doing all these things themselves when, you know, we all know that, you know, uh, God is the one who uh, provides all of our blessings and and takes care of us. And uh, to think we can do anything on our own uh, without Mm -hmm. him. And that's what I liked about Jehoshaphat was, you know, here he is. And he's like, you know, I'm not going to do this, but it's God that's going to deliver us. And we've got total faith. And he did. And, you know, and what a testimony that was to the people around him, to his armies and everything.
0: Yeah, I I love that. And that said, he begged the Lord for guidance.
1: Yeah. He also ordered
0: everyone in Judah
1: to begin fasting. Yeah.
0: So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. And he he stands out like, well, this guy's different. Yeah, than yeah. these other kings, right? And he
2: also fights for the unity of the family of Israel. Mm-hmm. He uh, in First Kings twenty two, he shows up, willing to fight, mm-hmm. and he says this phrase, um, "Consider me yours, my people; your people, my horses; your horses." And the king turns out to be bad news. That king comes and goes, and another king comes. And in Second uh, Kings three, they're they're trying to Moab's never been good. Moab's like the terrible cousin. <laughs> yeah. of the nation of Israel right. if you want to go read that in, that's in Genesis 17 or 18 about Lot and his daughters it's bad news but Israel reaches out to Jehoshaphat in Judah and he says the same phrase and then they team up with Edom which is was Jacob or Israel's brother Esau yeah yeah and they all the, the families united mm. because of the work of Jehoshaphat and it's just a a beautiful little snapshot of like god's intention yeah it's like a it's a bright spot moment you're like oh this could be good
0: you you mentioned edom um and in in this week's reading we also had the i think the shortest book in the old testament which is obadiah yeah uh who was a prophet and some some scholars will place him during this time frame some place him a little later uh like after after the exile uh but uh he is speaking directly to Edom, right? Pronouncing judgment, you know, on them uh, for the way that they treated God's people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he also turns it back, turns it back to Israel, and and speaks to them for a moment. But then there's this this image of hope right at the end. It's, it's a one chapter book. Yeah, um, yeah. He said, "Then my people living in the Negev uh, will occupy the mountains of Edom." Those living in the foothills of Judah will possess the Philistine plains and take over the fields of Ephraim and Samaria. And the people of Benjamin will occupy the land of Gilead. The exiles of Israel will return to their land and occupy the Phoenician coast as far as the Zarephath. The captives from Jerusalem, exiled in the north, will return home and resettle the towns of the Negev. The, those who have been rescued will go up to Mount Zion in Jerusalem to rule over the mountains of Edom and the Lord himself will be king. Mm -hmm. And what jumped out to me in that is, and the Lord himself will be Be king. king. Mm -hmm. It's this picture, I I think, it's this picture of the restoration that God wants to bring. So in addition to this restoration of of families and being a blessing to all nations, Mm -hmm. um, it's that, no, God steps back. These human kings are... Blowing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they'll once again, and God's original intention right. for for them as they became a nation yeah. was that he would be their king. Exactly. And that wasn't yeah. good enough for them. Right. And, they had to have a king.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: And and so they become, or God will, as he restores all things, he'll be their king.
2: I had been thinking about this past week was in Judges it ends and there is no king. Mm-hmm. Everyone does right in their own eye. Yeah. Like the problem with Judges is that there is no king. They get a king, and the problem as you start 2 Kings is, is there no God in the land? Hmm. Is there, why are you going other places? Obviously, your king's like, is there no God either? Right. Mm-hmm. And it just plays, it's, it's playing on this multi layered mm-hmm. picture of like, no, we need God to be our king. We need the rule and reign of God yeah. from Genesis 1 and 2 to come. Right. And the prophets go crazy with that language and it's, it's beautiful.
0: What do you guys see in the relationship between these prophets and the Kings? We see a lot of interaction between Elijah and some of the Kings of Israel, specifically Ahab. Right. Yeah. Um, we talked a little bit about it in, in the podcast last week, but then you have Elisha mm-hmm. who is not only interacting with the King of, of, Israel yeah. at his time, but also the king of Aram mm-hmm. and uh, some others. What do you guys just see in in those relationships?
1: When you're a man of God, you need to be listened to. Um, mm-hmm. To me, that's you know that <clears throat> that speaks volumes because how many times do we want to hear what we want to hear and not what the truth is, or not you know the tough truth? Mm-hmm. And you know, I think about having been out in the workforce for so many years, you know, I, I was never really liked by my bosses because I was never a yes man, one mm-hmm. of those that just goes along and, and agrees with everything that your mm-hmm. superior or your boss says. You know, sometimes you have to you have to tell the cold hard truth. You know, you have to to throw uh-huh. it out there. And what I like about, you know, the the prophets who are of God is, you know, they told the good the hard truths even though you know that's not what the kings wanted to hear yeah and to me it's you know wow how who's our prophet these days in our life who's who's speaking to us who's speaking the truth in mm-hmm. our life who who is speaking of god mm-hmm. in our life because if we have somebody like that you know i mean we all like to be agreed with you know we all like to come up with our ideas and I think it's the greatest in the world and and enroll with it but you know who's the the people speaking the hard truths into mm-hmm. our life and mm-hmm. so I look at it like you know who is, who are those people of God, not of the world, but of mm-hmm. God that's that's really speaking in my life, into my life. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That's good. I don't remember uh, which instance it was, but there's a point where one of the kings is like. Hey, we need to ask. We need to seek the prophet's help or yeah. whatever. Don't get this yeah. guy. He never
1: has anything good to say. Yeah, <laughs> go get him. no, he never
2: says anything good. Yeah, Second Kings. Yeah, he never
1: has anything good to say. Or First
2: Kings twenty two maybe. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it's First Kings twenty two. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, <laughs> yeah, nobody wants to hear what he has to say. It's Don't never. Yeah, good. man. He always
2: he <laughs> pronounces judgment on me. Yeah, I think it's. And there might be a reason. I think there's something about the prophets that often can feel uncomfortable because they're not warm and fuzzy. And they uh, don't seem to be in favor of a lot of people, but they're speaking on God's behalf. And so people often take what they say and assume that there's a different God in the Old Testament than a God Mm. in the New Testament. Mm. So it's like part of what they say, because they cast so much judgment seems to be that, oh, well, God just must be angry and no one can do anything right. Yeah. But then the New Testament, we get Jesus and the God of the New Testament is like warm and fuzzy and he loves us. And it's a really challenging perspective because God doesn't change. Yeah. I remember, well, not like that thought hit me for the first time and thinking about just in general, the character of God, like he doesn't Mm -hmm. turn off his mercy to give justice or turn off his justice to be merciful and, or his love, or, you know, he doesn't, change gears he is who he is and with that thought being captured by the love and heart of jesus thinking about how that represents who god is just as much as these people
0: yeah
2: and so what i tend to bring to the table is trying to see they're calling people out because they love them they're heartbroken for them we'll read in jeremiah like he doesn't want to say all the things he has to say and he says it's like a fire built up in my bones yeah. And Isaiah, like he's heartbroken on his face because of the glory of who God is, and who his heart for humanity, and and he says, "Well, who will go tell people about me?" And Isaiah says, "Send me." Yeah. And so when I think of these prophets, it's really easy to read it like video camera footage, mm-hmm. and go, "Oh, they're just trying to tell everybody how wrong they are," but they really genuinely care for the betterment of the people. Yeah. And but the Kings are not listening. Right. They don't want anything to do with the way of God. Pride. And it's going to ruin everything. And so they're, they're not just being big, angry people. They're trying for the whole of, of humanity. Like, yes, Israel, but Israel's supposed to be an intercessors for the nations. They're supposed to be a nation of priests. It's like, they're fighting for the betterment of everyone.
0: Yeah. And, and as we are moving into, we're going to be reading a lot of the prophets yeah. yeah, and, uh, we will see a lot of the, the judgment part, the, the part of these are the consequences of you, the people of God, mm-hmm. breaking your part of the covenant that God made with you. Mm-hmm. And yeah. these are the consequences of that. But there's always a redemption part mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. There's always a redemption, but the Lord will bring you back from exile. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the future, yeah. he's sending one that's gonna a holy thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's something good to keep in mind. Oh yeah, uh, as we as we are gonna be head deep I mean, yeah. Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah, wow. it's gonna be uh, there's gonna be some work as we as we work yeah. through those. But keeping those things in mind, uh, and also that I mean these are the things that the people of Israel brought onto themselves, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> but God offers a way out. Yeah. always offers a way out, yeah. which is is beautiful. Yeah. Hey, thanks, guys, for, for being here today. Yeah, and thanks uh, for having me. I'm sure me really we'll talk to you again. Love being on here. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we want to thank the River Community Church for sponsoring this podcast. And if you have any questions about the podcast, feel free to reach out to us at twtw at therivercc.com. Or if you're looking for a church home in Cookville, Tennessee, be sure to check us out at therivercc.com. Thanks, and join us next time on The Word This Week.